Acts chapter 3, and also get Hosea chapter 4, Acts chapter 3 and Hosea chapter 4. Hosea is just after Daniel in your Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible under the chair in front of you. I want you to be sure and be able to see what God has said to us. What I have to say is obviously much less important than what God has said And what preaching is supposed to be is the the communication of the Word of God, the explanation of the Word of God. What's happening in this text, in Acts chapter 3, we have the healing of the lame man. Verse 6 of chapter 3, this lame man has asked Peter and John for alms. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Man, wouldn't you love to see that? How would you how many of you would like someone right now to be able to come to you and take you by the hand and heal whatever malady you have? Wouldn't that be amazing? But what God has done for us is something much greater than that. He's given us an eternal soul and an opportunity for eternal life. One of the things that I want to emphasize through this study is why can why does God not give us the opportunity to heal now? Because since the Bible is finished, the Word of God is finished, God wants us to be aware that our eternal soul is much more important than our physical body. This body is going to go away. If I die before the Lord's return, it's going to, it's going to dissolve into the dust. This body will be gone. And then when Jesus Christ returns, this body will be raised incorruptible. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Praise God. That's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is the work that the Lord was doing when he was here on earth working. What is that? It's making disciples. You see, preparing someone for eternity is so much greater than healing their physical body. Because this body is just here for a little time. What is life? And it's but a, it, it appears for a moment and then vanisheth away. It's gone. We only have a little bit of time left in this life compared to eternity. And so when you look at verse 12, verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we hath made this man walk? Look at what it says in verse 16. Or verse 12. Talking about Jesus. Here's what they did to him. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So we looked at that last week, and we mentioned the next, or a week before last, and we mentioned some of what is in verse 17. But what I want us to do this morning, I want you to really focus. How many of you have stuff on your mind today? Would you raise your hand? And You have stuff on your mind. Ask God to help you to focus your thinking to this text right now. God has something he wants to say to us this morning. This is an important time. Let's let's look at this. Let's start reading in verse 17. I'm going to read all the way through the end of the chapter. So stay plugged into it. Verse 17. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets... That Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, 
which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Lord, please help us. As we try to break down Peter's sermon, what was he teaching them? And what can we learn from it today? Father, please be with us in this in this moment, in this hour, in Jesus' name, amen. The message of Peter, when you look at verse 17, and now, brethren, I wot, or I know, that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your father. So his job, his message in this is to teach the people, to challenge the people, to rebuke the people, for their ignorance of the Bible. That's what this whole message is about. He told them what they did. That's the first part of the message that we looked at week before last. Now he's going to tell them why they did it. And it's because of ignorance. Any of you ever feel like you're surrounded by ignorance? Ty feels that way every time he's with these guys. You ever feel like you're surrounded by ignorance? That's the message of Peter. What were they ignorant of? First of all, Peter told them you are ignorant of all the prophets. Now, remember how important this is. Their entire life is based around the Old Testament. They always would go to the synagogue. They were always going to the temple. They would sacrifice in the temple. They would worship in the temple. Often they were in the temple every day. But they were ignorant of what the prophets had said. And not just any prophet. If if you missed what Habakkuk had said. Okay, so you missed Habakkuk. No, you missed all of them. You missed all of them. They all talked about this. He told them, you are ignorant of all the prophets. And then he gives them the big picture. All right, so look with me at verse uh, 18, but those things which God before hath shown, showed by the mouth of, what are those next three words? By the mouth of, about what? That Christ should suffer, he hath also fulfilled. Verse 21, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of, what are those next three, next words? All his holy prophets. And what's the time frame? Since the world began. Interesting. So, they all spoke of Christ's suffering. They all spoke about it. They're looking for a military leader, but God told them that Jesus would die, that the Messiah would die. And they missed it. But don't miss this. Look at what it says in verse, seven, in verse 18. But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, God hath so fulfilled that in Christ, you were there. You saw it. Why did you miss it? Because you're ignorant of the Bible. Because you're ignorant of all of the prophets. He's given them the big picture. They all spoke of Christ's return. They all spoke of Christ's return. Notice the message. Repent ye therefore and be converted, verse 19, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus. He shall send Jesus. 
All the prophets talked about Christ's return. But notice the message. You killed him because of ignorance in verse 17. Here's the message. He ascended to his father. Verse 21, whom the heaven must receive. Talking about Jesus, whom the heaven must receive. Not only did heaven receive him, but he is also in God's presence. All right? So look at what it says in verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come. Look at what it says. From the presence of the Lord. See, people, they, they, they understood that heaven was a real place. But Jesus didn't just go to heaven. Jesus went to the very presence of the Father. That's who is coming. That's who all of the prophets prophesied about. You killed him because of ignorance. He ascended to his Father. He is in God's presence, not just in the heavens. And he was sent by God and will be sent again. Verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. You've heard him preached. Remember the apostle John, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist. This Jesus was preached unto them. The apostles went to all of Judea. They went to all of Jerusalem. All of the cities heard about Jesus. He was preached to them. They missed it. They missed it. And this was the message. Where were the apostles preaching from? From the Old Testament. They were preaching Jesus. Yes, the same Jesus that was preached to you before you killed him, that's the one. And just as Christ fulfilled the suffering prophecy, he will fulfill the kingdom prophecy. What is the kingdom prophecy? Look at what it says. Verse 21, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things. The whole world is going to be healed during the kingdom. All the holy prophets preached about that. All of them did. We can take the time to go through it, but we won't this morning. By the way, don't miss it. Here's what they missed. Here's what they missed. This was preached since the world began. This is not a new message. What we're preaching to you is no new thing. So, number one, he said you are ignorant of all the prophets. But then he tells them, not only are you ignorant of all the prophets, you're ignorant of the ones that you really ought to know. Who does he start with? Look at what it says in verse 22. For Moses truly said, so look at what he says. He goes all the way back to the beginning, the end of verse 21, middle of verse 21, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. What are those four words? Read it for me. And who wrote about that? Moses. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses. Now understand that modern Bible scholars don't believe that Moses wrote the beginning. Jesus believed that. Peter believed that. And I believe it. How about you? You believe it? So, for Moses, verse 22, truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up. So, they were ignorant of all the prophets, but they're also ignorant of these specific prophets. Moses told them that God would raise up a prophet. You see that? For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up. Did God raise up a prophet? But I want you to notice this. This is, this is amazing. Don't miss this. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. Why was Jesus rejected by a lot of them? That's just Jesus. Isn't he the guy from Nazareth? We know his brothers and sisters. Isn't that the carpenter? But the Bible told him that he would be raised up from among them from their brethren, but not only that, for them. That was the message. That was the message that, that Moses preached unto them, and they were ignorant of Moses' message. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own home, among his own kin. It's amazing. Moses told them about the prophet. The prophet came. Exactly the same way that God said he would. The prophet died exactly the way that the Bible said he would. And they were ignorant of the word of God and are being held accountable for it. In verse 22, look at what it says. 
For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Now, don't miss this. Look, look, look. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. So Moses had commanded them. He had prophesied of the prophet, and then he commanded them to hear that prophet. But not just hear him, hear him in everything. But how can you hear him in everything if you're ignorant? Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. When I first got married, I didn't know how I was supposed to pay attention to my wife. I was ignorant. I was ignorant. They had no excuse for their ignorance. No excuse at all. Verse 23. What happens? Oh, by the way, don't forget what Moses wrote to the people in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one Lord. Hear, hear, hear. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus Christ said to them, Hear, O Israel, hear, hear, hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody do this. Do this. Everybody, everybody, everybody participate. I'll start over. You have an ear? Then you need to hear what God has said. This is a general. Now, Van Gogh would have to do this. Have you ever seen Van Gogh with glasses? That's what he, that's what he And again, of course, it said, Him shall ye hear in all things. But what's the penalty for not hearing? See, when God gives a command, He gives a penalty for disobedience. Look at verse 23. And it shall come to pass that every soul... Now, don't miss this. Go, go back to verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, this message is to all of Israel. There's, there's an interesting component to this. Moses, I'm sorry, Peter, in this passage, he doesn't preach about the Holy Spirit at all. We think about the Holy Spirit and how significant he is in the book of Acts and to the local church. But here in this passage, this isn't a local church sermon. This is the message to Israel. The message to Israel is you have the prophets. You have the Old Testament. What's the message to the New Testament? What's the message to us? You have the Holy Spirit drawing you to the Father and the Son. You have that. And he, is, he draws us to him through his word. It's a little bit different message. And this is not a message to an individual. This is not me preaching to Kent. Kent, this is what you need to do individually. This would be me preaching to all of Grace Baptist Church all of you need to do this. This is a message to all of Israel, not just an individual. He will apply it to the individual momentarily. But notice what, who this message is to. But then look at how specific it gets in verse 23. The, the penalty for not obeying the command to listen to the prophet. Verse 23. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. The whole nation is going to be blessed. Those that don't listen are going to be destroyed. Go to that Hosea passage now. Hold your place in Acts, please. Always remember that the important things that God has for us, everything God said is important. Amen? But he emphasizes through repetition. Repetition is God's volume control. Look at Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. So remember what we just read. Any soul that doesn't hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. We just read that in Acts 3.23. You all with me? Look at what he told the people a long time before that in Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why did they lack knowledge? Because thou hast rejected knowledge. Why were the people that Peter was preaching to ignorant of the Bible? Because they had rejected knowledge that God had given them. Right? 
You're putting together something that you got at Ikea, and you're wanting to kill yourself. And it comes to, you, you finally get it done, and it's all cricket. It's not right. You've got a lot of extra parts. Why? Because you were ignorant by rejecting the instructions. That's how simple this is, folks. So, Hosea 4, 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. So there's a couple of things. He gave them knowledge, they rejected it, and what knowledge they had gotten, they forgot it. Go back to Acts chapter 3. That's the message of Peter. He is preaching to them, challenging them about their ignorance of the word of God. So, look at what it says in verse 24. Remember what we're talking about. He gave a general statement, all the prophets, and then he gave specific prophets from the beginning, Moses. But then look at verse 24. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel to those that follow after, as many as have spoken. Do prophets speak? For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. How many prophets spoke? All of them. Okay? Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Of these days. So you're ignorant of these specific prophets. You're ignorant of Samuel and those that follow after. As many as the prophets have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Please don't miss this. He's not telling them these prophets foretold of what's coming. You're looking at it. That suffering of Jesus that was prophesied, you saw it. This judgment on people for their ignorance in doing that, you are seeing it right now. And Peter says, I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word of God... I am holding you accountable. This nation did this. That's the message of Peter. All the prophets did it, but you might not know all the prophets. You know Moses. You know Samuel. He's holding them accountable for their ignorance. Next. You are ignorant of the pro- all the prophets. You're ignorant of the specific prophets, but you're also ignorant of your amazing privilege. Look at verse 25. You're the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. They're ignorant of their amazing privilege. You're the children of the prophets and of your brethren, King Jesus. You, you are ignorant of the, the, the you're, you're ignorant of the fact that you are the children of the covenant. God made a specific covenant with them. In Genesis chapter 12 in Abraham, he told Abraham, and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. They had the privilege to be the chosen people, for Jesus to come from among them, and as a people, they were privileged. Not only to be a part of that, but to actually be the generation, the the group of people in time that Jesus came from as one of their brethren. They got to see that. What an amazing privilege. You're children of the prophets. You're children of the covenant. You're also ignorant of your nation's purpose and calling to be a blessing to the world. Why was the world not evangelized before the apostles? Why? Because Israel didn't do it. You're the light of the world, Jesus said. You're a city set on a hill. What city? You're Jerusalem. God put you. The Father chose you and called you to be a light to the world. A candle that's put under a bushel doesn't put any light out. 
You are the light of the world. That's the message to Israel. And they did not do that. They had the amazing privilege to be, not only to be blessed to be God's people, but they had the amazing privilege to be a blessing to the whole world. That was their privilege. You're the children of the prophets. You're the children of the covenant. But you're ignorant of your calling. So you're ignorant of all the prophets. You are ignorant of the specific prophets. You're ignorant of your amazing privilege. And you're ignorant of the fact that God sent Jesus to you first. Can you imagine? It's cool to be the first. The first person to step foot on the set of the moon in a warehouse in California. The, the, the privilege of being the first person to understand electricity. The privilege of being the first one to bring the message of freedom in the United States. The privilege of being Paul Revere to say the, the British are coming. The, the privilege to be remembered in history as the one who got to experience it first. Look at verse 26. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. You're ignorant of the fact that God sent Jesus to you first. Verse 22, for Moses truly said unto the fathers, remember, they're children of the fathers, the prophets, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up, look at what it says, verse 22, shall raise up, Unto you. What does the Bible say? The gospel came to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You're ignorant of the fact that God sent Jesus to you first. But not only did he send them the Messiah first before anyone else got him. Look at what it says. Unto Verse 26. Unto you first, God having raised up his son, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. He raised Jesus from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't go to South America like the Mormons teach. You know, that's what they teach. That's not where Jesus went. Where did Jesus go? Right back into Jerusalem. Rose from the dead, went to see his apostles, and then he wandered around Jerusalem for 40 days. More than 500 people saw him. But not only did they see the resurrected Christ, but who first got the message of the resurrection? Peter preached to Israel in Acts chapter 2. He's preaching in the temple in Acts chapter 3. They're getting the message first. They have it. He raised him up to be your Messiah. He raised him from the dead. And this was preached to you first. And then he sent Jesus to bless them first. He blessed you by giving your nation Look at this, a chance to turn away from its iniquities. Verse 26, unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. God wants every person in Jerusalem, every person in Israel to have the opportunity to turn away from his iniquity. They're ignorant of that. They're ignorant of it. What are they supposed to do? Verse 19, repent ye therefore and be converted. How do you repent? Verse 26, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. That's what repentance is. You have the message of repentance right there. So what's his message? You are ignorant of the Bible you are ignorant of your accountability to it. Every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be, which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed. Do you remember in uh, Luke chapter 16 when Jesus is teaching the people about Lazarus and the rich man? Lazarus was a beggar and his body was filled with sores and the rich man fared sumptuously every day. He had wonderful food, wonderful parties and Lazarus would find a way to come in and crawl under the table and eat the crumbs that fell, the junk, the stuff that was thrown away. That's what Lazarus would eat. They both died in the same day. 
The rich man woke up in hell, in torment, in the flame. Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, to paradise. Rich man sees Lazarus, and he says to Father Abraham, he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, this beggar, this, this man full of sores, this one that's not worthy to sit at my table, but under it. Send him, have him dip his finger in water and have him come just with that little bit and have him touch my tongue to cool it because I'm tormented in this flame. He's begging just for a drop, one drop of water from Lazarus' finger. Moses says, no, can't do it. There's a, there's a great gulf fixed between us. At that point, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he went and took paradise to heaven with him. Hell is still there. But at this point, before the resurrection of Christ, they can see paradise and hell, great gulf. And so what is the next thing? What is the next request that the rich man has? He said, my father has five sons. Will you send Lazarus to tell them? Will you send Lazarus to my five brothers? He didn't want his brothers to meet him in hell. What did Abraham say to him? They have Moses and the prophets. Listen. If they won't hear them, then they won't believe, even if one rose from the dead. Understand, that was said before Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What's the message to Israel? You saw Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and you still won't believe because you will not believe Moses and the prophets. And look at how the indictment is worded. Chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, verse 23. And it shall come to pass that every soul, now look at what it says, which will not hear. You have the message. You have the prophets. It's been given to you since the beginning of the world. Here's why you're going to be be destroyed. Because of your will. I will not listen. I will not obey. I will not hear. That's Peter's message. But it wasn't just Peter's message. It was Moses' message. You are ignorant of your accountability to the words of Moses, Samuel, and the others that followed, but also the words of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 12? I don't condemn you. There's one that judgeth you, Jesus said. The words that I speak unto you, they will judge you at that last day. Why? Because he was the prophet that Moses had said, hear his words. Do you see how it all comes together? The whole message ties together. But what is Jesus saying in that same context where they're supposed to hear his words? They wouldn't hear Moses and the prophets. Jonas, the prophet, Jonah. The the people at Nineveh heard, but you won't hear. And he listen to what he said. There's one greater, one greater than Jonah is here. What about Solomon? We got all the wisdom of Solomon. This sermon is preached in Solomon's porch. What did Jesus say in Matthew 12? One greater than Solomon is here. This Jesus had been preached unto you. John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And remember when Jesus Christ described John the Baptist. They said, What went you? He said, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Yes. He was a prophet, but what did Jesus say? But much more than a prophet. And what did John the Baptist say about Jesus? The one that comes after me is greater than me. Moses was greater than a prophet. Jesus was greater than John. I'm sorry, John the Baptist was more than a prophet. Jesus was greater than John. You wouldn't hear him. 
That's the message. That's the message that Peter preached. So here's the question, Pastor. That is... How many of you agree that's kind of a heavy message? What does this have to do with us? Can you tell this sermon is not... The sermon of Peter is not directed to us? Do you all see that? I didn't kill Jesus. He died for me, but I didn't kill him. How does this apply to me today? Let's ask ourselves some questions. Number one, ask yourself this question. Am I ignorant of God's word? Am I ignorant of the prophets? How many of you would say, be honest. How many of you would say, Pastor? I'm, I don't know what Habakkuk taught. I don't know what Obadiah taught. I couldn't explain to someone the message of Micah. How many of you would say that this morning? So here's my question. Are you and I any less accountable to God for our ignorance? How many of you would say, yes, we are accountable to God for our ignorance? Say amen. Young people, you can read those books and know their message. You can get a book like James Knox's Old Testament survey. And just in your own time, as you read a book of the Bible, read that survey. Understand the message. Of that book. You can do that. We have those in our in our bookstore. It's only 15 bucks. You can steal that from your dad. Am I ignorant of the word of God? Second question. Am I ignorant of my amazing privilege? My privilege to be a witness of the fulfillment of prophecy. Look at Acts 3. Look what the Bible says, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. What are we witnessing? In the time of our fathers and grandfathers, God called his people back to Israel. The nation of Israel was reestablished. Now, Christ can return. You understand what we're witnessing? When the Bible says, when, when the sun returns, shall he find faith on the earth? Has there been a time since the early church when there's less faith in the word of God than today? No, we are witnessing the fulfillment of that prophecy. We watch stuff that's going on. We watch this global government. The word is global governance. We watch this global government that's rising up around us. Our national sovereignty being chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. Our president giving away our sovereignty. Bowing the knee to China. Bowing the knee to the United Nations. Bowing the knee to even, the knee to even Iran, a nation that is set out for our destruction. That has to happen. There can't be a one-world government and a strong United States. We're witnessing it. Am I ignorant of my amazing privilege? Am I what, what did Paul or what, what did Peter challenge those people about? Now I'm almost done, so don't miss this. I'm trying to give you some handles to carry this sermon home on. What, what did Peter tell them? All the holy prophets have preached this since the world began. Since the beginning, you have had the word of God, either through the fathers or through Moses or through the other prophets. You have had it. You have had access to it in your temple. You have had access to the word of God in your synagogue. To the early church, what did Paul tell Timothy? Till I come, give attendance to reading. He didn't have a copy of the Bible. He had to go to where the Bible was being read. 
The Jews always had that privilege. And listen, they're being held accountable for it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Would you all do this for me? Do this. You can hold up your phone if that's what you're using. So you have this, don't you? You understand. When when Wycliffe's Bible was produced in 1380, that was the first time the Bible was put into English. But it was handwritten. It would cost you about sixty or eighty thousand dollars in today's money to have one. Don't miss this. Wycliffe's Bible wasn't printed. 1380. It wasn't printed until 1731. The first time the New Testament was printed in a language that you and I could read, it wasn't until 1525. So think about this. From the beginning of the world, they're held accountable for what the prophets said since the beginning of the world. Is that what the Bible says? Since Moses, they didn't have a copy of it. But he had given it to them to where they could hear it. They were accountable for it. All of the Christians, from the the ascension of Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit, the establishing of the church by Christ and the apostles, being sent out to preach the gospel around the world, none of those people had a copy of the Bible of their own until 1525. And yet, Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So what were they supposed to do? Give attendance to reading. Go to where the Bible was. Do you understand your amazing privilege? How many of you own more than one Bible? Are you ignorant of your amazing privilege? Think about the process. That 1525, Tyndale, he publishes his Bible. By 1536, he's got part of the Old Testament done. But they took and they strangled him to death and burned him to death. A man named John Rogers finished his Bible in the Matthews Bible. And when Bloody Mary came back to the throne, the first person she burned at the stake was John Rogers. Because why? He had given the people the Bible. What's the next Bible that we have? The Coverdale Bible. Miles Coverdale, an amazing man. He took uh, Tyndale's work and and, and John Rogers' work in the Matthews Bible, and he produced the Coverdale Bible, but it wasn't finished yet. The next Bible that you have is the Great Bible. It is a large Bible that was used, but it wasn't quite right yet. It needed more work in the English language. The next Bible that comes along is the Geneva Bible. The Geneva Bible is it's translated by Brits who are they're, they're fighting for their lives. They're running for their lives in Geneva, and they produce the Geneva Bible. And what a wonderful Bible that was, but it wasn't quite finished yet. So they have the Bishop's Bible, all the the greatest bishops in England. They produce a Bible, but it wasn't quite finished yet. 1568, it was revised several times until 1602. And the king said, you know what? Take that Bible, his first rule that he gave the translators of the King James Bible. Take that Bishop's Bible, and where it doesn't agree well with the the original languages, but give give us a better reading. But if if you can't find where the, the... the bishops does well, then in rule 14, he told his translators, he said, well, where that doesn't work well, well, look at Tyndale. Wait a minute, the king is telling them to use Tyndale? Do you know what Tyndale prayed right before he was strangled? Publicly, this was his prayer. Lord, open the king of England's eyes. God answered that prayer. And so he said, use Tyndale, use Matthews. Use Coverdale. Use White Church. That's who had printed the Great Bible. Use, use the Geneva Bible. King James told them to use. He hated the Geneva Bible because in 400 places where your Bible translate the, translates the word to the English word king, the Geneva Bible translated it tyrant. The king hated it. But that's the way that God gave us our Bible. Think about how long it took. The Venerable Bede translated the Gospel of John into Old English, Gothic, in 700 A.D. It took from 700 A.D. to 1611 to give you what you have here. And it has endured all of these more than 400 years. And you have it. 
Do you understand your privilege? A lot of discussion in our culture today about privilege, isn't there? Do you understand the privilege that you have to live in this time? Because in 1776, when the Declaration of Independence was given, don't, don't miss this. You go back 100 years earlier, around 1663, Charles II gave Rhode Island, the colony of Rhode Island, and the Baptist preacher, John Clark, the Rhode Island Charter. And that Rhode Island Charter is the first time in the history of the world that a city or a nation was granted complete liberty. It wasn't granted to the nation. The nation had to declare it in 1776. But not only did they declare it, they had to fight for it. They had to fight until the early 1780s. And they finally win the the, the war of independence. They win their freedom, but they had to find a way, how do we maintain this freedom? And remember, they have the Constitutional Convention and Benjamin Franklin comes out and they said to him, what kind of government did you give us? He said, a republic, if you can keep it. What did they call it? Our grand experiment. Why? Because it had never been done before. So then, 1787, 1789, we finally have a constitution, but that's the constitution for the nation. The individual states didn't give us liberty until the 1820s or 30s. So now think about it. Freedom, complete liberty, has only existed in the whole world for 200 years. Did y'all hear what I just said? How many of you are thankful for your freedom? If you stand in front of an abortion clinic and pray in England, they'll put you in prison. You're not even saying a word. You're just praying. They'll put you in prison. Why does that not work here? Because of our Constitution. Right? The FBI has been arresting abortion protesters with SWAT teams. And we see that happening. We say, how can that happen? Because we don't understand the privilege that we have had. People talk about slavery and the blight of slavery on our, on our nation. They call it our original sin. Slavery is not our original sin. Sin is our original sin. Slavery was part of the entire world. It ended in England first and then it ended here. And all of us have had the privilege of living at the only time in human history and in the place where it started, we're the first ones to experience liberty. We're the first ones. And people look back over history. There was just a statue removed this week from Albany of a revolutionary uh, war general who owned slaves. So they got to take his, his statue down. Was it wrong to own slaves? Absolutely. But understand, that's like saying it was wrong to breathe air. Because that's the world that they lived in. How many of you are thankful we don't live in that world? Where did that privilege come from? See, those in Jerusalem were held accountable for being ignorant of their great privilege. How many of you think we're accountable for our great privilege? How should we use that liberty? How should we use the privilege of having a Bible? How should we experience the privilege of liberty that God has given us? How do we live that out? By being witnesses. What was Israel supposed to be? A light on a hill. What's the church supposed to be? We have this, this, this mystery. We have this light that God has given in us. The light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Just as they were accountable for ignoring the word of God. Folks, we as believers, we are accountable. How many of you, let's all stand together. How many of you 
when you stand before Christ at the judgment seat. So let me ask you this. How many of you are born again? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. All right. So the Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive for what we've done in the body. And it's all going to be tested. What we have done for the Lord will be put through the fire. And if what you have done is gold, silver, and precious stones, it shall remain. But if what you have done is wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be burned away and it's going to be gone. But remember, those good works that you have done since you got saved, those things you've done for the Lord, for His glory, all of that, you're going to be given a reward for that. And then you know what you do with that reward? You see Jesus, and because He's worthy, you give it to Him. And you're going to want to give Him more because He's worthy. Amen? What's that judgment seat of Christ about? What you've done with your great privilege. What did Paul say? As we have been put in trust with the gospel. It's a great privilege. You've been put in trust with the word of God. You've been put in trust with the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. You've been put in trust, listen, with the only time in human history when you have absolute liberty to tell people that message that you've been put in trust with. Would you all say, that's a great privilege. Here's your question. What am I doing with it? Are you ignorant of the word of God? Are you ignorant of your great privilege? Are you ignorant of your great responsibility? We've got something God has given us. What did Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. He had Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Give him to somebody. Amen? Amen. Lord, we love you. This is a very humbling message for me.